Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to another edition of Backstage Chicago. I'm Lisa Fielding from WBBM News Radio, and today we are at Wheaton College inside the Armoring Center for Music and the Arts, a brand spanking new building for music and everything arts and culture. And I'm here with the talented folks from Chicago a cappella. Joining me today is John William Trotter, the artistic director, Trevor Mitchell. You are an ensemble member, but also a tenor. Yes. And Emily Price, also an ensemble member and a mezzo-soprano. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining me. So I kind of came upon this from our wonderful publicity friends who send out, they do their job and they send out fun things for us. And uh, I didn't really know about you guys so much. And acapella is such a wonderful thing to listen to and to learn about. And I think it's fascinating to find out how it all came about here. So let's start with the artistic director, John. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Hi there. Yeah, I'm the second artistic director of Chicago Acapella. I had the good fortune to be hired in the middle of the pandemic, so that's an auspicious time to begin a gig like this. Our founder is Jonathan Miller. He started the group almost 30 years ago uh, because he wanted to sing acapella music that wasn't being done a lot, and he was a musicologist and found strange and unusual things under rocks and in libraries and manuscripts and things like that. And so he put the group together just on a, on a wing and a prayer. And he's also a very talented entrepreneur, salesman, business-oriented guy. And so, like, lots of groups start, but very few groups continue. But this group did. Okay, so for folks who may not know what acapella means, right. let's talk about that and the history of it and why it's so unique and different. So for this group, it literally means, uh, I'll back up a step. <laughs> it literally means in the chapel style, which is just a fancy way of saying without instruments that are pitched. So you don't have violins and cello and trumpets and orchestras and Hammond B3 organs. Uh, but we sing a huge variety of repertoire, including stuff that's really, really old, because of course, acapella was the first way that people sang. Uh, and now the term often is associated with collegiate acapella, meaning like groups of undergraduates who sing pop tunes, which we do, but only as a, a part of what we do. Everyone in the group is classically trained. Most folks have a couple degrees in classical music performance and have really good chops in jazz and folk and other specialties, Broadway and stuff like that. So we have a, an outrageously broad range of repertoire. Emily, how did you get involved in this? And you have a singing background. Tell me about yourself. I do. Um, I am a, uh, I studied music at Northwestern University. I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee, okay. but um, I moved here for school. And so um, just, I was um, working in Chicago doing um, classical music as well as musical theater, um, a little bit of everything. And it was one of those things where I got a call to audition for um, this group. Um, and I got pulled in. It was about uh, 
2013, I want to say 2012 or 2013, I've been singing with this group. Um, and so, yeah, I had a background in opera and classical music and also in musical theater and a little bit of as just a jazz, a little bit of everything, um, which made it um, really fun to join this group because I got to kind of do a little bit of all of those things in one group. And what um, makes this different from almost everything else that you've done? Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> this is a smaller ensemble. We only perform with, you know, nine or 10 members on the stage. So I'm only blending with one other mezzo. Um, whereas all my other groups, I'm singing in a choir at Grant Park with 80 to 100 singers or at Lyric with 60 to 80 singers on stage. And it's a very different style of singing um, that I get to do in this group that, you know, the, ver the versatility that you have to have in this group is very different. So okay. it's really fun. Jabor, let's hear about your life story. <laughs> <laughs> life story. How much Summarize time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, from Chicago originally, yeah. and I went to college upstate New York, Eastman School of Music, uh, on a flute scholarship, actually. Ah. Um, I had been singing in high school and uh, met a conductor, when I was there, uh, Robert Shaw, very famous choral conductor who was there doing master classes, and I subbed for someone, um, and he said, are you a singer for real? And I said, yeah, I kind of do it. He said, no, you should specialize. And he introduced me to some people. I left Eastman and went to Europe for a couple of years and uh, came back to Chicago and was solo singing and then also singing with the Chicago Symphony. A colleague and friend of mine, John Concepcion, who's well-known around the Chicago area, um, got a job at Lyric where Emily sings and invited me or asked me if I could sub for him. And uh, I did it and uh, auditioned. And then Jonathan Miller, who John just talked about, said, how would you like to stay? And I thought, eh, you know, I don't really want to do any more ensemble singing. But he goes, no, this is different. You know, these are, you know, nine soloists who come together as an ensemble. And so you have these breakout moments and then you do great blending. And I'm still here. What kind of skills does it take to sing without accompaniment it's a little tougher <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot tougher yeah um definitely um sight reading and being able to stay in pitch uh, mm -hmm. on key you have to, you have to do all the work yourself you can't rely on anything else except the people around you um so really having good ear um ear training skills and oral skills um, um and blending i think blending Absolutely. takes a lot to understand like to keep things um to understand who you are in the group and what your role is in that ensemble to bring your sound out or to be a part of a group. And how do you coordinate all the different kind of musical styles and pitches so it comes out the way you want it? So, you know, when Emily was talking about how you have to know who you're with at any given time, that changes second by second, right? The people you're listening to who are most relevant to your part with whom you're balancing and, and who you're listening to most closely is a really organic thing. And that's a part of my job, is to sort of know the score from a few feet away from it uh, and be able to say to folks, you know, this is how things are working broadly and this is where we need to be focusing in. In the early rehearsals, I do conduct and then I just sort of do less and less and less of it. And by the last few rehearsals, I'm sitting at the back of the room with a pencil, just writing notes while the singers have taken it over. Okay, and now you said you were hired during the pandemic. So did you have to kind of pivot with... Everything? Well, very much so. But <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I should say, I actually joined as a sort of member of the okay. larger family the year that Emily did. Okay. I was living in Canada at the time. Jonathan Miller was advertising for folks to come in and just do like one concert at a time. So I, I signed a contract to come in as an out-of-town guy and just stay in Chicago for a few weekends and do intensive rehearsals and do a show. And uh, that was in 2012. Mm -hmm. And 
But then just before the show, I actually moved to Chicago of all the strange coincidences to work at the Wheaton College Conservatory of Music. So okay. I called them and I said, you know, I'm not calling to cancel, but I don't need the condo anymore. I'm, I'm going to be taking the train to rehearsal instead of the plane. And so we did that show and I had a great time. And they led to like, you know, one other gig and one other gig and one other gig. And finally he said, this seems to be like a, a recurring thing. So I've been in this sort of unusual uh, situation where I've been the principal music director of an ensemble working under an artistic director who was the founder of the group for several okay. years. So yeah, by the time I stepped into my boss's shoes in a way, um, the only thing, the only thing that was different was that we weren't allowed to do any of the things we'd ever done before <laughs> because of, you know, the restrictions and everything. So what do you do under those circumstances? We thought hard, uh, those of us in the office and the singers for a few weeks about, so what, what is it that choral music is and does in like the deepest sense of that question. And then what of that can we offer, even though we temporarily can't get together again? And one of the things that occurred to me we could offer is the experience of being together like around the music. So the singers and I were obviously in rehearsal, but we also chat, you know, we chat in the car and we chat at intermission and we, we talk after and we brainstorm and things like that. And those conversations are just between us and the audience never gets to experience them. And I always felt that was kind of too bad. So we've been doing a listening club for the last two years now where we take a piece that we have sung in the past and the recording of that piece and the written score of the piece and we send it out to folks and we have a Zoom room together where we talk about it like in a book club. And it's me and one of the performers and sometimes the composer is there together. So that's something we've offered. The singers had a, a knockout series of virtual videos that they got really creative with in the course of that year. We had a podcast series that year. Uh, and so this is kind of a hybrid season for us. We're doing in-person stuff, uh, including this coming weekend, but we also are offering some hybrid things. There are some people from out of town who never got to see us before, who have seen us online and yeah. don't want to be, you know, separated from us. So we're, we're finding ways to bring all that together. How was the whole pandemic for you guys as live performers not being able to do what you do best? Oh, I thought, you know, like everybody, it was just the most... Uh, <laughs> awful thing that you could imagine when you're so used to a certain pace of learning music and performing it. I mean, I mean, there's a bout of depression, like, wow, what do I do? Um, then you sort of, for me at least, started to question myself, like, when I come out of this thing, are my chops still as good? You know, do I still have it? Is my technique there and all of that? So for me, uh, I decided to use the pandemic to really double down on technique and practicing, and I thought, if this ever ends, I'll be ready. And so that was kind of my motivation, and I just decided to continue to learn music, and I learned recital programs that I never got to sing, but I wanted to keep working um, and make sure that I was fit vocally. So that's how I kind of spent it. Same kind of experience? Yeah, I mean, like Trevor said, it's, it's this feeling of when you can't do what you think you are supposed to do who are you and yeah. I think everybody went through that a little bit during the pandemic of like identity uh, when you're kind of certain things are taken away from you so there, for me it was a period of like I uh, you know I I had like a little side job where I worked in a restaurant but but really my life is being a singer so it, that was completely taken away and you had to like look at yourself and look at what skills you had inside of you that were maybe not as developed. And as um, John uh, was sharing about all the things that Chicago Acapella did to pivot online, 
you know, I started, I did some educational webinars for Chicago Acapella where I, you know, put together a thing on how to audition and how to, you know, an intro to ukulele and how to be a versatile singer. And I created these webinars from home that I never would have done if it wasn't for the pandemic. Uh, in addition to, you know, getting a lot of really good recording equipment in my house that was not as good before, uh, including, you know, ring lights and all those sorts of things that maybe I, I would feel like, you know, I was like, there's younger kids on YouTube who've been doing this better than me for years. And I'm now figuring out how to make yeah. this work. So so when you're a live singer, when you're not someone who's done something online, that experience of pivoting to being an online uh, presence was um, scary, but also very exciting. And, and, and now I feel like it's given me an extra skill that I didn't have before. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. You mentioned that you probably reached a ton more people that that never knew about you or weren't able to come to the Chicago area to see you. Yeah, it took a little while for me to realize just um, how much opportunity there was in the crisis. One of the things Chicago Acapella has done historically is inspired composers to write music for us, you know, brought new music into the world. And one group of people who can work in a lockdown are composers, right? But it's hard to, it's hard to do work like that when you don't know that there will be a morning, you know, that you don't know there's going to be an opportunity. And I was particularly concerned about, about emerging composers because if you're just kind of graduating from school or just kind of finding your feet as a composer, you look out at the world and there are no concerts because it's illegal to have them. You know, what does that mean for you and your, your sort of consideration of your future and your vocation and stuff? So we actually started a program called Her Voice for emerging women composers of a cappella choral music that very quickly went global. And we got 70 different composers from more than a dozen countries sending us manuscripts and we, we set up Zoom rooms with them and a series of master composers who are like further on in their their work and and have been like running sessions on how to be a professional composer and how to pitch yourself and all that sort of thing. We've also selected a number of winners from that who we're going to be premiering uh, next weekend who have been coming to town, we've been workshopping their stuff. And that's something that has felt a bit like sort of planting a seed of hope in the middle of a really dark time. Mm -hmm. And we're expecting those those composers to do great things in a few years' time. You mentioned that is an old school, mm. singing before we had instruments. Do you find that a new generation is discovering this as well through like Straightener Chaser and Pentatonics and things like mm. that? I mean, it's becoming cool and hip, don't you think? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, there have been some pretty cool jazzy a cappella groups from like the 60s and 70s right. and even you know from the 40s and 50s like the modern airs like that tight close harmony stuff that wasn't necessarily a cappella back then but I think that has graduated into this current age 
of, um, as John mentioned, a lot of, you know, college acapella groups that get this opportunity to like be together a lot and sing together and really learn together. And like you said, there's like a lot of contemporary groups that just, you know, there's just nothing like, like tight, really well-performed acapella music together with a small group of people. It's, it's pretty much has its own. And so I think the people really um, just, you know, grab onto that and get very excited about that. I find it amazing to the ear as well, because you think you're hearing music. Exactly. I mean, it's music, but I mean, you know, a musical instrument. Yeah. And you realize, oh no, those are just voices. That's what blows my mind every time I hear you guys, you know? Yeah, no, no. And I think for us too, um, the sense that I have even at rehearsals is that you have to be on all the time. And so, uh, to Emily mentioned earlier, singing in an ensemble where there are many people singing with you or the same part as you, you know, yeah, you could go to rehearsal and not be warmed up. You could be a little sleep deprived. You could be any of those things because you've got people to help you. Well, this is not that. Mm. Um, you have to be on all the time. So I know we all think this way that when I've got a rehearsal of that on that level, that I need to do everything. I need to make sure I'm vocalized well. I need to make sure I'm breathing well. I'm well rested. All of those things because you are on from start to finish all the time. So it's a great responsibility, but the rewards are, um, I can't even put into words because it's magical. Yeah, it really is magical because it's almost defies logic Mm -hmm. when I hear you guys all sing together and realize there are really no musical instruments, you know. So uh, you've Got to be excited about getting back to normal here, sort of. You said hybrid, but mm-hmm. hybrid's yeah. better than nothing. So tell me a little bit about you, what you guys have on tap here. Well, it's been an exciting few weeks. Yeah. And you know, the longer the, the pandemic sort of lockdown conditions have extended, the more the, the prospect of what it would be appropriate to do afterwards has changed, right? It doesn't seem to work, uh, to me at least, to come back as though nothing has happened and you know, present a series of beautiful sounding music that doesn't relate to what's been going on. It has been a crazy two years mm-hmm. for many people. And I think we all like hope as a society that we're gonna be headed into something better. But I think to do that, we need to sort of acknowledge what has gone on. You know, It's been rough in so many ways. People have lost a huge amount of stuff. Um, they've lost people, they've lost jobs, they've lost dreams, they've lost plans. And uh, a lot of p- people have come awful close to losing hope. Mm-hmm. as well. And I think, um, you know, music is really an appropriate way of, of processing and acknowledging these things in a way that surrounds them with beauty and hope, right? As opposed to just, it's easy to just be critical, right? And just get depressed and sit in a corner and stay there. So as we were chatting um, among the singers on Zoom, right, we, we were prevented from getting together for quite a while and just hearing people's stories about stuff they've been through. I thought, I think this is our first concert back is going to be acknowledging the the dark and looking towards the light. So th- a number of the, the pieces on the program have been selected by individual singers and are paired with a story that that singer is going to tell in the show. And we also are going to be presenting two of these brand new composers with their brand new works, which are um, sort of innovative in their approach that we've had to workshop to, to bring together. And that's going to be our way of saying, like, this whole time we were we were working at coming back together with you and doing our mission, which is to like advance the art of ensemble singing. So this is our chance to put that together with the people who've frankly supported us uh, tremendously last two years. People continue to buy subscriptions, 
to our stuff and have donated money so we could keep paying the singers for the work that they've been doing. Everything that we've had to cancel on short notice, we've paid out all of the artists that were involved in those things. Uh, you know, these are these are people who have rent to pay and groceries to buy and who are committed to maintaining their craft for when it's possible again. And we want to make sure that we can keep the group together for that purpose. It's been a long, dark night And I've been waiting for the morning It's been a long, hard fight But I see presenting you sure. said you thought about it yeah. the lyrics the words things mm-hmm. that mean you know that we've come out of the dark somehow mm-hmm. well you know the first fall of the pandemic cities went from being places that were teeming with people to being pretty desolate right and we actually went down in october of the first year of the pandemic to a parking garage downtown because that was the most indoor we were allowed to be. We sang in a parking garage until we got kicked out by security. (laughs) And just to be together, you know, just to make those sounds, but also to say that we're Chicago acapella. We're not going to give up on Chicago just because, you know, um, just because it's turned into a, a difficult situation. So we're opening the concert with one of the, it's about 500 years old, the Talus Lamentations, which lament the state of a city that used to be a bustling um, place that everyone wanted to be and come together and has now become this desolation. Uh, so that's how things begin. And it's a, it's a austere, but also really, really beautiful um, piece of Renaissance polyphony. And then that goes into a piece that Trevor has selected. Any previews? Sneak previews? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> very briefly. So one of the pieces, I proposed two pieces to John. One of them we couldn't make work, but the other piece um, is an arrangement of a spiritual, um, quasi-spiritual, I call it, because it's been modernized by Margaret Bonds. And really the genesis of it is, uh, the way I take it, is awareness. And so for me, um, there was so much dark, but then there also were very, very many positive things that came from the pandemic. And one of the things that I wanted to convey was awareness. I believe that, and still believe, that if people knew what things looked like and felt like from another person's perspective, they might just do something different. And so the, the really the nucleus of what that message is for me is about awareness. You know, do you know what it's like? Do I know what it's like for, you know, a woman to walk around in pumps for three hours in a day to feed her family because she's required to wear that. And that, I mean, what is that like? I'm being basic, but, but that's what I'm, what I'm after. So for me, it was about, is about awareness. You know, let me tell my story. Let me give you one more perspective to look at so that we can be better together. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, for me, that's what, what, uh, what's behind that. Rehearsing all these. I know you haven't been in front of the audience with this repertoire yet, but what's it been like? I mean, just listening to the personal stories behind how you've chosen mm-hmm. what you're going to present. What's it been like to uh, really produce this leading up to something you've waited for for so long? 
Yeah, I mean, our first rehearsal back was actually over Zoom, and we got to just, you know, hear um, everybody who suggested a specific piece, why they chose that piece. Um, so, um, you know, there was um, my friend Chelsea, who's the other mezzo-soprano, chose um, Precious Lord because mm-hmm. she had gotten the first chance to sing that during the pandemic at her church job, and it was her first time, you know, singing that piece, and she was so moved and it was the first experience of her getting to sing with people again. And it was such a overwhelming experience, you know, because that piece has so much history and power behind it that came through in that moment for her. And so, you know, she wanted to share that piece. And so like getting to hear why that was meaningful to her, um, you know, there was, there's, so I feel like there's an extra layer of meaning behind every single piece in this program. That's maybe a little different. Mm-hmm. than what we've done where we, you know, it's not that we don't, uh, you know, really love the music that we've presented in the past. It's just that Absolutely. there's a little bit of more personal yeah. interest in each piece that goes into this specific program. As patrons, you know, we feel a certain way and emotional when we experience the arts and culture. And everybody we've talked to in the last, you know, three or four months was about, we can go see a movie, we can go see a show, we can see you guys, but not having it. Mm. For 18, 20 months, I think people realized that we took something for granted mm, and the arts yes. and culture were something we really needed. And just listening to you guys talk about what your program will be like will probably be an emotional experience, not only for you guys, mm-hmm. but for the people who haven't seen you in person either. I'm sure that's what you hope. Yeah, I, I do think that societally, I mean, not to get too 30,000 foot about it, <laughs> but I mean, it, we've been apart a lot, right? And, and every kind of we. You know, we, we've mostly only been able to interact with people that we already knew and made appointments for online, right? And then even when when people were able to be together, we weren't together in groups, just as a community, right? We were, you know, together for specific, what, work meetings and things like that. Right. And I do think that part of the role of the arts from here for, for a while is going to be providing opportunities for people to be together again in ways that are meaningful and acknowledge what we've been through. And that's, that's what we hope this program will do. And you hope, what do you hope people kind of walk away from it? Kind of the same kind of thing. I, I think there's a, there's a sense for me that I often sort of have a wall between me and the immediate past, which has been so difficult and so painful in a number of ways. And I need to be sort of in conversation with someone I trust or surrounded with, with in this case, you know, beautiful music and meaningful music to actually turn around and look at what has been and grieve it so that I can take a deep breath and turn around and look forward and make plans. Because it's, it's been sort of the opposite of agentic, right? <laughs> to, to go through these past couple of years and be told again and again, yeah, you can't really do that. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. We need to have vision and hope and creativity um, and energy for, for proposing, you know, positive change in the world. And I think we need to get our feet under us and like take a breath together to be able to do that. And so I, I'm hoping that, that this, um, there may be a couple tiers in the course of the show, um, but there, there are abundant opportunities in the, the program for just reflection and gratitude and hope and, and vision. I was just looking at your playlist here and even just like, here comes the sun. Mm-hmm. Even just thinking about that song <laughs> makes me feel good already. Right. You know, and I'm sure I was just looking, I was like, oh, I love that song, you know. And um, how are you guys feeling about going before audiences again in full blast, you know? I am unbelievably <laughs> excited. Yeah. I mean, really. Um, because to your point about taking things for granted, 
I don't know that I ever took singing for granted, but what I did probably take for granted was what it did for me mm-hmm. personally. What an honor and privilege it is. All those times when you're practicing, you think, oh, my God, you know, I'd much rather be watching mindless, you know, um, reality television or something. But it really is worth it because it is, in, from my perspective at least, uh, the greatest privilege to be able to connect, you know, this music with these people that are listening and be the medium. And I feel a great responsibility to be on all the time and to give my absolute best, even when I don't feel it, but to, to do that because these people have come to hear us and these composers have written this music and to be charged with delivering that is the greatest honor, frankly, for me. How are you feeling coming up to your first concert? Well, I've been lucky enough to have gotten back on stage last year, first with um, the Grant Park Music Festival, which was outdoors. Mm -hmm. And that was really my first big choral thing that I got to do. And yeah, it was... It was all the things where you're like, I can't believe I get to do this again after so long. I can't believe I get to sing with these people. Um, I can't believe people are sitting in the audience. Um, And we've gone through so many kind of ups and downs, even since last summer, you know, like where we are just holding on and hoping that in the rehearsal process that nothing, you know, gets ruined so that we get to get to that moment where we get to be on stage and perform again. So I, I still would say that we're in this like moment of trepidation of like, let's just hold on so that we can continue to like you know, we have this appreciation now of what it's like to not get to do this. And there really is just nothing like the magic of being in a room live and hearing someone perform something live. It, 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 there's nothing like it. And yeah. um, You know, while we've been really appreciative for the opportunity to still connect with people with an online presence, there is going to be nothing like stepping into that room and hearing music performed. And so I'm, I continue to just like, hope that we we stay the course and that I I I yeah and I'm so appreciative of this specific group um with the the chance to to make music in this way um that's really intimate um and to welcome people into that space and music really is obviously a unifier in a time when not everyone is unified mm-hmm. at this point in mm-hmm. life I was in a rehearsal this morning where that just struck me anew, you know. Um, I, I was working with a group at the college. They're doing an a cappella arrangement of O'Shannon that they learned from Vaches 8, uh, which is a, a group in the UK who actually toured here quite recently through the pandemic, brave people. Anyway, <laughs> but I, I said to them, you know, this, this piece is a vehicle, but the, the magic of this situation is that people are in a room together, so together, like in a very heightened way together. Right, not sitting in chairs in the same room, scrolling their Facebook feeds, but yeah. breathing together and listening much more intensely than you even would in a conversation, and being for each other, right? Like really desiring the good of the other person on the other end of this piece, without whom you can't do any of the things that you're about to do. All of which are are magical. I mean, I'm yes. I'm not immune to that. Th- what happens in the room, to the air of the room, to to you know my own body when the music is is just surrounding you it's an immersive experience and to know that it's being made by other people like you is just a really dignifying reminder you know of what we are really or what we can be Trevor is right we're not that way all the time you know there are times that we want to sit in the basement and order pizza for a solid week right yeah yeah but there's different levels of want for us and what we really want is is that heightened sense that this really is like that special and that meaningful and can be and will be again so tell us where you guys are going to be 
and uh, how many shows you have and all that good stuff and how people can get tickets. And now everyone wants to come, of course. Yes. So, <laughs> um, they should. We're do, we doing the show four times. And okay. if you're listening to this in February, there are two left. Uh, okay. There's one on Saturday, February 19th in Oak Park at Pilgrim Congregational Church. And then on Sunday, we're in Naperville, beautiful Wentz Concert Hall. That's Sunday, February 20th. And that's an afternoon show at 4 p.m. And if you're out of town listening to this, there is an online event. So hurry and subscribe to Chicago Acapella and you can get a hybrid <laughs> subscription. And we're doing that Thursday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. And how many shows do you do in a normal year normally? Yeah, <laughs> normal, it feels normal. like a long time ago, a new normal. Yeah, we usually do four programs a season. Okay. Um, we, plus a couple extra things. Uh, so there's always a fall program, a, um, a holiday program at the Christmas time, and then this, this February concert, and then what we call a spring program. Um, and, gala. and then we have a gala that we do every year. And then we've started the past few years doing this, um, uh, program <laughs> called Cantare with, uh, which is, um, we bring a composer from, I believe Mexico mm-hmm. and they work with, uh, children at different schools, uh, oh. throughout the year. And then we do a concert, one performance of that. And that, that's going to happen in May this year, I believe. Yes. Fingers crossed. That's great to reach out to the younger generation mm-hmm. for sure with this. Cause we've a lot of the time done... arts are the first to be cut in a school. For sure. Yeah, it, it's been rough in Chicago um, to, to be a music teacher some years, mm-hmm. right? Not know if your job is going to continue through the end of the year. We've done an annual youth choral festival uh, each year where it brings several schools from several neighborhoods together. It's just a magical day. It's another one of those things which you kind of have to be there to, you know, to understand. You understand some of the history of Chicago and some of the, you know, ongoing challenges of the city. And then to see like 150 kids, you know, again, being for each other, you know, singing, uh, clapping for each other and singing together and with the artists of Chicago acapella. So yeah, we, we, we used to do this stuff all the time and consider it, you know, special, but also normal, like predictable and a thing that we would, you know, plan for confidently. And now we're just kind of like watching over the parapet being like, can we come out now? Can we, <laughs> <laughs> can we put this together? Yeah, exactly. Well, it sounds like you guys are ready, more than ready. Yes. Oh, we're See ready. Back, yeah. back. Would you do a preview for us at all? Is there anything that you could maybe sing for us oh my for, goodness. I don't know, 10, 15 seconds? <laughs> I don't even know how that would work I right now. We, we were just talking before us. coming. I said, do we need music? Oh, I anything don't know what off, we could off, do. Offhand? Well, honestly. If we don't need musical instruments. Honestly, if Trevor would just sing a little bit of I Wish... Oh I knew how to be free. Goodness. Just a little bit. This is the song that he he chose for this okay. opening of the concert. Putting and he and he and we all we all basically are there to support him on on this arrangement. I know oh I'm God. totally putting you on the spot. <laughs> it's hard because we're like, there's not all ten of us here to Pressure's like you on. know give give a little thing. But I'm like, how about you do that, True Boy? <laughs> all right, I can do a little bit of just that. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, just a little bit. The name of the song, which you'll hear in the opening line. Um, let's see. <clears throat> I wish that I knew how it feels to be free. I wish I could break all these chains binding me. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. Wow. (laughs) Chills. Why don't we end it on that, shall we? Yeah. We have a warm, fuzzy feeling in our hearts with that. Thank you so much, Trevor Mitchell, John William Trotter, and... Emily Price, thank you so much for joining us. We wish you good luck in your upcoming season and live audiences. Here you come. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Coming up next week on Backstage Chicago, we visit the Momenta Dance Space in Oak Park and talk to the folks from Three Arts, a nonprofit that supports Chicago's women artists, artists of color, and deaf and disabled artists who work in the performing arts. A unique perspective from a dancer and a director about how Three Arts has made all the difference in their lives and careers. Listen to the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts.